Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that your God is giving to you. Finding guidance in the Bible for our lives is not often the, the simplest thing. Mostly because life is complex. But also, our sinful nature collaborates with the world to make ethical and moral decisions easy, to make those decisions painless, mostly by ignoring them. Which is why Christ gives us preachers, gives preachers to the bride of Christ that we might call out and that we might confront you with your sins. That confrontation is usually best done in the Decalogue. In the Ten Commandments. Time and time again, Christians have turned to the Ten Commandments for help in discovering what it might be to live as the children of God in this world. In particular, the Ten Commandments have played a critical role in catechetical instruction. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to turn to the Decalogue for guidance, specifically to the second table. These commandments teach us the meaning of what it is to love our neighbor. In loving our neighbor, we take seriously the words of Jesus that a good tree must bear good fruit. And that good fruit that is born within us is not an achievement that we have made on our own. It is, it is too, a gift given to us from God. As Paul says in Romans, that the righteousness of God may be manifested in Christ Jesus apart from the law that our boasting may be in, not us, but in in reality, the Ten Commandments, the second table, concerns itself with, with five important bonds of life. Family bond, a commandment to honor one's parents. A marriage bond, a, com a commandment forbidding adultery and fornication and the like. The life bond, the commandment forbidding murder, protecting of life. Property bond forbids theft, covetousness, and hinders violence. And then the speech bond, which forbids slander and lying and falsehoods. Western civilization is built upon these five bonds. This is why we live in a country with peace and stability. It is the foundation of human life as we know it. And any stable society, any visible culture must attend to these bonds. If these bonds are broken, it brings not just pain and, 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 and turmoil, but it also brings trauma and stress. It brings the inability to accurately predict what's going to happen tomorrow. Because the society is out of whack. How will it feel? How will it look if the family bond is broken? You've heard it said that marriage is only a piece of paper. Well, I propose unto you so is an arrest warrant. So it was a paycheck. So it was a mortgage. The fourth commandment, in which we begin today, commands us to sustain a family bond. 
Our lives are always bound together with the people from multiple generations, those above us and those below us. This is the first commandment that comes with a promise. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that your Lord God is giving unto you. And we're tempted to think of this as being a promise given unto individuals, right? You honor your mom and your dad so that it may go well for you. And then sometimes we wonder why it doesn't turn out that way. Why does the dutiful child not always prosper? Why does he not always live long? The family bond is a statement of fact. It's, it is more about community than it is about individuals. For the commandment points us to a bond that must be sustained for a healthy society to flourish. Where there is no willingness to honor parents, there's no reverence for the sacrifices that ancestors have made to get us to the point where we are. And in that kind of society, who would want to bear children? It's a lot of work. It costs a lot of money. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to sacrifice for further generations if the further generations puke all over the sacrifice? If the sacrifices are not honored, if the sacrifice is not appreciated, if the sacrifice is not reciprocal, why make the sacrifice? Why put forth the effort? We're seeing some of this in our society today. The Latin word used for a reverential spirit was pietas, P-I-E-T-A-S. We translate it into English as piety. Piety towards those who have nourished our life. And no community can truly be healthy without this piety. When we understand the promise in this way, we understand that human life is so structured, and it's so structured in this way because God has structured it. He has structured it correctly. We rely upon our parents. Sometimes at all points of life. And that relationship must, must not only be reciprocal, it's got to be passed down. Communities in which parents or older people are not honored are communities in which independence is of the utmost paramount because the young generation seldom acknowledge the sacrifices that the parents made for it. Then those sacrifices stop and life in general gets a whole lot harder and it gets a whole lot harder for everybody. With that one broken bond, What does it mean to be a child and live within a family bond? Quite clearly, it means different things to different people for different stages in their life. My family bond that I live under today looks a lot different than it did when I was 17 and left my parents' house. And, and even at that, 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 that parental bond when I was 17 looked a whole lot different than what it did when I was eight. But whatever your age, you're still, you are still a child of your parents. They have raised you. They have cared for you. They have financed you. They have trained you. All of this they give unto you as a, as a gift. It's a, it's a free gift. And in that way, parents really do stand in the place of God. And they deserve great honor. Suppose you wanted to repay your, your parents for all the gifts that they've ever given to you in their life. How would you repay them for all of those things? How would you repay them even for the gift of your life? Could you do it? 
I mean, could you ever get back to a point in your existence where you were independent of the gifts that your parents have given unto you? Where you could stare at them and look at them in, in equal terms? I don't think that point exists. I don't think you'd ever be able to get there. As a child within a family bond, even when we become adults, we're still the children of those parents. And we are always people who have received gifts. And we're always going to be people who have received gifts. And we're going to receive gifts that we don't deserve, that we never deserved. When we were sick, they cared for us. When we were broken, they bound us up. When we were, when we were hungry, our, our hunger was sated. They, they, they put feet, feet on our shoes. <laughs> our feet were shod. Our hands were gloved. Hats upon our heads, shirts upon our backs. They stood in the place of God in caring for you. They shared in this this creative role as givers of life, of defenders of life. And it's a debt that we owe unto each and every one of our parents. And it's a debt that we're never, ever, ever going to be able to repay. And so the only thing we can really do with that is to simply obey the commandment and honor them and serve them and obey them, which is what God calls upon us to do. And if we do honor them, if we do honor and serve and obey our parents as we are supposed to do, and to the degree that we do it, we've really done nothing to boast about. We've only done what we have been called to do. We didn't do anything special. We didn't do anything grand. We did, in, in seeking in our own halting way, we did not refuse the wealth and the grace of God that God have lavished upon us through the giving us to parents. We do only what the Father, or we do only what the Son of the Father has done from eternity. We conform to the pattern of sonship. We become like little Christs by obeying and serving the will of God the Father Almighty who gave us parents who stand in the place of God in care and serve and love and protection of us. What does it mean to be a parent in this relationship? I mean, as Karl Barth puts it, the honor of standing. I mean, the honor of standing in the place of God to somebody it's a significant burden. An obligation to care for and to train those children. It also means danger. I mean, there are God-like responsibilities, but there are also sort of God-like temptations. The first and foremost, the temptation to exercise tyrannical control over our children. They are not our servants. They are gifts unto us. And our Heavenly Father has been so gracious to give them unto you. But perhaps even more, the temptation to think or the temptation to hope, the temptation to feel or to act like that we can protect them from all of the sorrows and the hurts and the pitfalls of life, we cannot. To forget that in baptism, 
we have handed those children back over to the keeping of God the Father Almighty, to forget that every, every time we pray for those children, every time we pray for those, those children, we are recognizing the frailty of our own human condition. We are recognizing our own inability to be the perfect child, the perfect parent. We recognize our own failures to be the kind of parent that they're really ultimately going to need. And that we will fail so many times and in so many different ways. Don't believe me, ask my children. We cannot be their protector at all times. We, all we can do is be their witness. To be the best witness that we can possibly be. To stand before our children in the confidence that it is God who is the one who cares for them and watches over them, that God the Father must be their protector, that God must be their guardian. The only one who can truly live for them is Jesus Christ himself. And it is an honor and obligation for a parent to be just such of a witness. No more, no less. And in all of this, in our lives as children and as parents, we will probably fail much more than we succeed. And the mistakes are easily forgiven. It's kind of odd that mistakes and, and fables and, and, and faults of neighboring children we can overlook just like that and not think anything about it, but we cannot tolerate those same faults within our own children. The frailties of others that invoke our sympathy, we resent within our own parents. None of this is surprising. It's not surprising that children should resent their parents as much as they love them. But it's no easy thing to know that we are indebted under these parents. And we are indebted into these parents in a debt that we cannot possibly obtain. We cannot possibly pay that debt back and then know that they failed in so many ways. It's not surprising that parents should sometimes smother their children. This, this impulse to protect them, to yearn for their success. We yearn for the children's success in such a way that is beyond anything that we'd ever, ever pull out for ourselves. If we had put as much stress and as much energy on making sure that our children were successful, we yearn for their success more than anything else we can think of. If we'd put that much stress upon ourselves, we would be titans of industry. We would have cured cancer. We would have matched every single sock. And yet we put all of this weight Upon them. And yet here it is. If anywhere else in this, this bond of family, we begin to learn the movements of dance in love of life marked by giving and receiving here our self-interests, impulses, our discipline, our desire for independence is controlled. As children, we must gradually learn to receive love and acknowledge dependence without resenting it. As parents, we learn to give love without seeking and possessing to, to possess those loved ones forever and ever. And when we fail, as we so often must do, we can turn to the 
only child, the one and only child who has ever been able to stand before the Heavenly Father and be justified by His own deeds. Only one child has kept all of these commandments. He kept them perfectly. And in Him, we find our way back to the Father, the only Father who's actually been fair to His children. And parents and children together must confess those failures to God the Father Almighty and to receive the forgiveness of God the Son Almighty and live in a new spirit given to us by the Holy Spirit Almighty that, that holds those bonds of family together. We must ask him to begin to reshape ourselves in the forms of his love that we may live long in the land that the Lord God is giving to us. In Jesus' name, amen.